What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of From the Bench. Matt Laguza along with Jack Quinn here. And we're coming with you with a huge week of sports, controversy, trades, NFL playoffs, and some off-season signings in the MLB, as well as some major head coach vacancies being filled in the past couple days. Jack, it's been an insane week. Yeah, it's been a great week to be a sports fan. All the major leagues coming in with a lot of good news, and it's been fun to watch. Yeah, and we can't forget, we're not talking about it this episode, but the NHL started this week as well. So content on that will also be coming in the coming week. So all the major sports are coming around. All right, so let's start off with uh, Jack. Congratulations. This week, I'm congratulating you, the New York Yankees have signed DJ, DJ LeMahieu to a six-year deal. You know, six years, $90 million. Very good contract, price-wise. But what worries me is also just the length of the contract, you know, being 37 at the end of this contract. But he's a hitter, and I'm sure, you know, I, I'm sure he'll be consistent for a long time. Yeah, no, I think it definitely would have been better if they had stuck to a shorter-length deal, like three or four years. But DJ was very consistent that he – wanted a more longer term deal. And I think if you're going to give anybody that kind of contract at that kind of age, it's going to be a guy like DJ. He's very consistent, good contact hitter, and he should be able to uh, remain at a high level for the remainder of the deal. Yeah. And you have to tip your cap to Cashman because we have some money to work with in the off season and we're below the uh, luxury tax. So Yankees aren't done in the off season. And I'm really interested to see what they do. Yeah, and you know, it's definitely interesting because a lot of people were expecting it to be over a $100 million deal, and they were able to keep it in double digits. So hats off to the Yankees front office. Great job getting their guy. And they should still be able to expand for the remainder of the offseason. Yeah, for sure. And Matt, I have to congratulate you. New coach for the Jets. How do you feel? It's honestly, it is, it's an amazing feeling. Because we've had Adam Gase for the past couple of years. And from the beginning, a lot of people were very skeptical of the decision to hire Adam Gase after his tenure with the Dolphins. But now we are getting Robert Sala, great defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. Past two years, his defenses have been ranked second and sixth in the NFL. So we know we're getting a really solid defense. And he's bringing over the 49ers passing game coordinator, younger brother of Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, to be the offensive coordinator. So I know you and I were talking about this uh, either last episode or the episode before. Um, I was saying how I wanted an offensive-minded head coach just to help with the offense, but I really like this because Robert Sala is respected across the entire league. He's really going to be able to help our defense, which has showed that it has the potential to be a top defense in the NFL, and we're bringing over someone who, as we've seen, his older brother has had a ton of success with the offense in uh, Green Bay. Maybe he'll have a very similar style over here in New York. Yeah, for sure. I mean, following up our conversation from a couple of weeks ago, you you did want an offensive coach, but it seems like a guy like this will be pretty influential for the franchise going forward. And the fact that he did bring over the passing coordinator is big because, as you talked about, Quarterback situation is developing a story for the Jets franchise. So, you know, it's a win-win for the Jets, and I, I like it. 
Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how we've got a whole new coaching staff pretty much. That's what we're going to get. It's going to be interesting to see how they work with Joe Douglas on this situation. Because as of right now, we really don't know what we're going to do. We could stick with Sam Darnold. We could draft Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. For all we know, we can go get a quarterback in a trade or free agency. It's really unknown right now what the Jets are thinking. So at least all I know is I'm confident in whatever they decide in right now because it's whatever their vision is going to be. And so far, I've liked what Joe Douglas has done. I like Robert Sala. I'm in good faith right now. Yeah, it's good to see. And, you know, we talk about every week changing the culture in terms of new hiring and the management and coaching really makes a difference for a franchise. Yeah. And now we got two more head coaching uh, vacancies that were filled earlier this week. The first head coach spot off the board, Jacksonville Jaguars hired Urban Meyer as their head coach, former Florida and Ohio State coach who left coaching because of health issues. Jack, what do you think of this hiring in Jacksonville? Uh, I really like the signing for with Urban Meyer. We talked about this last week too. Uh, well, presumptively, we're thinking that Jacksonville will draft Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I really like the move because it's really going to define that franchise going forward because you've got a franchise quarterback, a respected coach, although he hasn't coached in the NFL, still a respected guy around the league for sure. You know, it's definitely going to be interesting to see, especially who he surrounds himself with. I know he's looking at a bunch of the guys that he's formerly had on his staff in uh, Ohio State. But no, it's really good to have a new identity, really, in Jacksonville. They're getting a supposed generational talent quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. They're going to get a first-time NFL head coach in Urban Meyer, who has had success at the college level. They're really bringing a whole new identity to Jacksonville. And I think that's what they need right now because they have been really struggling uh, the past couple of years. And no matter what they've tried, it hasn't worked out. So I think going in a new path here is really going to help them for the future. Yeah, for sure. I like this move by Jacksonville for sure. And the Eagles, man, just following up on our conversation a couple of weeks ago as well, Doug Peterson, we, we predicted correctly, it has been canned. And what do you think about this? Yeah, I know. We were talking about this in the last episode because we were talking about the whole controversy with the QB situation. And we were talking about how they were saying that his job was probably safe earlier in that game. But after that, after that, it was very skeptical. And they did end up getting rid of him. I think it was the right move. And it's going to be interesting to see, though, because it seems like Carson Wentz's place in Philadelphia has stabilized more because Eagles GM Harry Roseman likes him a lot and it doesn't help that he's got a huge contract uh, with them, but you know, it'll be interesting to see because Peterson is also another respected guy around the NFL. And we know before the Jets hired Robert Sala, the Jets were an interesting location for him because of his relationship with their GM, Joe Douglas. Um, But Hey, there are plenty of open head coaching spots in the NFL still. It'll be interesting to see, where he fits in to this whole situation. But yeah, no, I'm definitely excited to see where he goes. Yeah, I understand like the change uh, for sure by firing Doug Peterson, but this caps off a myriad of puzzling moves by the Eagles in terms of just starting with Jalen Hurts, drafting him after you pay him a massive contract. And then it's a roller coaster of a season. At one point, they were at the top of the NFC East. And then they put in Jalen Hurts. It, it doesn't really make sense. And then you go out and you fire 
head coach that won you your first Super Bowl. It's interesting, and we'll see what happens. But Eagles are really a mess in terms of what yeah, they want no. to do. It's been an interesting year in Philadelphia, and they've had a couple interesting years the past couple. Um, you know, Carson Wentz getting injured, uh, going into that Super Bowl year, getting a torn ACL, not being able to play. Nick Foles ending up taking it over. I don't know. It The Eagles organization has had a lot of tough years. You know, they've had trouble on the receiving end of the ball. They now have trouble on the quarterback position. And right now, when they seem they found their guy in Jalen Hurts, their GM is thinking of keeping keeping Carson Wentz. So I don't know. It's definitely going to be it. It's definitely going to be interesting for teams like the Colts or Bears, who could have been in on Carson Wentz getting him, because that could completely change what they do in the draft and in free agency. Because for all we know, if Carson Wentz ends up staying in Philadelphia, the Colts they've got the 14th, 15th pick somewhere in that range. They could go and snag a guy like Mac Jones or Kyle Trask. For sure. With Philly, it's it, a lot of their moves will dictate what happens around the league, and we'll see what happens. But I think they, it is a good move to fire Peterson after this season just in order for to have a fresh start. Yeah, I think they've just had a lot of controversy, and they really need to just get someone new in there, see if they can figure it out. But, no, it's going to be interesting. Finally – For the head coaches, just before recording this, we found out that the Atlanta Falcons have hired Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith as their head coach. So that is three vacancies that have been filled in the past couple of days. I definitely like the move um, of getting Arthur Smith. I still think that they could have stayed with Raheem Morris. He's got a lot of uh, respect in the organization already. But, you know, they definitely need someone new in there. The Falcons have had a struggle since that Super Bowl loss to New England. Um, and now that they're, they're bringing in Arthur Smith, Julio Jones and Matt Ryan could both be on their way out. We don't know. Their defense has been in shambles. The organization as a whole has just been a mess. So I like bringing in the new guy. Arthur Smith has had a lot of success. We saw him turn around Tannehill's career when he came into Tennessee. It's going to be interesting to see what they do from this season and moving on, they could go quarterback in the draft for all we know. Yeah. I was thinking that as well, considering the way he developed Tannehill as the offensive coordinator, but it is a puzzling move. If they do stay with Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, that offense has always been dangerous. We'll see what happens. And the Titans ranked fourth in the league in scoring during the regular season this year and finished the season averaging around 396 total yards per game. I mean, I like those numbers. And for the Falcons to get a new face in the franchise there, it's a good move. No, I like it a lot. And, you know, I honestly believe that their offense is going to be dangerous no matter what. Bringing a guy that has had a ton of success on the offensive side of the ball is huge for them. Now all they need to do is they need to get someone on the defensive side to fix up that defense because we know the Falcons can score points. It's keeping the points off the board is what they need to do now. And I think they solidified that by getting Arthur Smith. Now they got to focus on the other side of the ball for the remainder of the offseason if they really want to succeed in the future. Yeah, I agree. And we'll see what happens. I, I think Atlanta was really in dire need of changing man and coaching and just personnel generally, considering the turbulent years they've had after that terrible, like embarrassing Super Bowl loss. 
Yeah, no, Falcons fans will never live that down. All right, now moving on from NFL head coaches to probably the biggest news in the past couple weeks. James Harden is gone, out of Houston, done. And he is moving to the Brooklyn Nets alongside Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Now, this is very controversial, so we're bringing on our guest from last week, Kenny Lamb. He's going to join us again to discuss the trade and how this really affects the rest of the NBA and especially the Nets and the Rockets organizations in particular. Kenny, how are you? I am doing well. This is a great topic to talk about. It's definitely the biggest news of the season so far, and I'm honored to be back on here with you guys. All right. So, Jack, we're going to just start off here. We're going to talk about the Nets because they obviously had the – biggest impact here they gave up a lot to get James Harden three first round picks and four first round pick swaps it do you think they gave up too much well we've seen this before right with with the Celtics trade Paul Pierce KG trade it put the Nets back for a couple years and this move to get James Harden to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie is probably one of the biggest trades in NBA history we've ever seen. And I'm saying that because it's going to affect the league for next couple of years and much further than that. And with that, the Nets want to win now. Kyrie wants to win now. KD wants to win now. I think it's a good move for them, but the assets they gave up, I think, were a little bit too much. Now, Kenny, we're going through on this, and Kyrie, he left the Cavaliers so that he could be the guy, and he got shown up by Jason Tatum. Now he left Boston to Brooklyn. He already lost the team to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's the guy there, and now they're bringing in James Harden, and he's nowhere to be found. He could have broken COVID protocols. How do you think this trio is going to work out? Yeah, it's definitely going to be tough. We got, like, including Kevin Durant in the conversation, we have three people who are used to being that number one guy, having the ball in their hands, no doubt, in the closing seconds, or just just to dominate a game overall. Um, I I don't Kyrie, that's, I don't know. Like you said before, it, it is strange seeing that, like, Kevin Durant was out last season, but, like, he hasn't, Kyrie hasn't been the guy yet, or we haven't seen him be the guy for a, a successful team, right? Boston, semi-successful, but even that the their farthest run that they went um, with him on the roster, he wasn't even playing with them. He had an injury, right? Next season, he gets eliminated like against the Bucks in an embarrassing fashion. And now um, with Kevin Durant, I Eagles just definitely have to get go aside. I, I can't really imagine any other way. Kyrie's just gonna have to um, definitely deal with the ball just a bit more to Harden now. And I think if they can see that through for the rest of the season, they definitely have a chance to win now like they would want. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely going to be interesting because these guys are very – they are the – they are both, all three of them superstars. And, you know, we were talking about this earlier, Jack and I, before we were recording. And James Harden has – you know, he's been in the news a lot the past week or so with his former teammates and organization – Jack, I don't know if you have the quote up from his press conference, but he doesn't believe he was disrespectful. His teammates do believe it. 
What do you guys think of that situation in general? Uh, based on what he said today in the press conference, his first press conference as, as a net, following those comments uh, where he was saying that when he was still in Houston and they had just taken a, a huge L to the Lakers, saying that the Rockets straight up, their roster wasn't good enough to compete and to beat a team like the Lakers in a seven-game series. And he explained himself today by saying that he didn't mean to slight his teammates. Rather, he meant that at his age and what he wants in his career is to be a winner. And he's yet to be a winner. He hasn't been a great player in the playoffs, he, uh, although he has faced tremendous teams like Golden State. He explained himself as this move to Brooklyn to be a chance, the best opportunity for him to win. And the roster, the coaching staff is all someone that embraces that. And it really seemed like he was genuine about that. Yeah, no, for sure. And Kenny, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page as as uh, Jack here. I, he definitely sees it a certain way. He wants, he's focusing on himself as every player should in like, and during his careers, just trying to get the best chance to win. And although the roster was talented and by leaving them, it might have seemed disrespectful. We have to remember his roster is, or the Rockets roster, his former roster was comprised of people who don't have the best playoff experience. John Wall has been out for about two years. Um, and the farthest he's gone in the playoffs isn't, it doesn't say too much about him. He's definitely a great player. And I think if he gets back to his um, form before injury, he'll be one of the premier point guards as he usually is, but hasn't really proven to have any finals experience or anything like that. Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousins, great big men, but again, DeMarcus Cousins, limited playoff experience, Christian Wood up and coming. Um, really, James Harden just wants to be part of a culture or a part of players that know what it's like to make a deep playoff run, to be like, we have a chance at for the finals to win. And honestly, I, I can't blame him for that. He's I didn't really see too much disrespect there. He's just being honest with himself and uh, the people. Yeah, no, he mentioned that in the press conference. Uh, he was talking about how he, he's he been in Houston through their ups and downs, and he's been with the organization for a while, but he's been in the league for a long time, and now it's time for him to put himself in the best situation for him to be able to try to make a run at a title. And I think I, I think it was a good move by him to get there. But before we move on to the Houston side of this trade, the Nets have not had the start that people would have expected. They're seven and six. You know, they've kind of got off to a slow start, even with the talented roster they had before. How do you think James Harden, in addition to that, with or without Kyrie on the court, because we don't know when he's coming back, how big of an effect is this going to have on the team? I don't see this hurting the team at all. You know, you're adding an MVP, perennial all-star, and just a walking bucket. He's out, he's a bucket getter. And even if Kyrie's not out there, the duo of Harden and Duran is probably one of the scariest duos I've ever seen. And virtually two unguardable people. And I'm a, I don't see it hurting them, but it's going to be a matter of chemistry and balancing the egos. And one thing, just going back to it, we have to remember early on in Harden's career, he was on a team with Westbrook and Durant. He had to balance out egos. There are three alpha dogs on that OKC team. It'll be interesting to see if he's matured from those days, because 
in a similar way, it's sort of the same situation because it's three guys that can give you 30 points a night, but is Harden, has he matured enough to the level in this point in his career? If he really wants to win, he's going to have to sacrifice. And I think that's going to be the big thing. It's the balancing of the three egos, as you said, because right now I think it, they Durant and Harden should be fine. They should be a very good duo. But once Kyrie comes back, it is three people on the court at the same time, unless they figure out some other kind of scenario. But it's it's a lot on the court. It's a lot of star power on the court at the same time on one side of the ball. And if they can figure that out, it's going to be deadly. Right, right. And just addressing quickly the point that Jack was making about how Harden used to be on that OKC team. Definitely a lot of things have changed since then. Sure, I... I'm sure Harden was an alpha dog on that um, big three team with OKC, but he was a six man and he was definitely not a perennial MVP candidate yet. So it was, it might've been a little bit easier to balance that out then. And like uh, Jack was mentioning the possibility, we hopefully James Harden has matured enough to put that ego aside. And even with his scoring ability is able to mesh well with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the court to be successful. For sure. So now let's move over to the other major part of the trade Houston, they got a lot in exchange for Harden. Now, they got three Nets first rounds, one Milwaukee first round from Cleveland, and four Nets first round swaps, along with Rodion's Curix, Dante Exum, and Oladipo, who they got from a later trade with the Pacers. They got a big haul from this. Is this what they wanted? Did they get what they deserved? Well, just thinking about the rumors earlier in the summer about the possible packages for Harden, what they're looking for, you know, you can easily look at this on paper and say, wow, like in terms of player value, you're not getting an MVP back. But they have established, they have assets now, and they have an opportunity to build through the draft. They also acquired Oladipo. He's on a one-year deal. And Oladipo is on a trial season here. If he plays well, he's back to the form he was before as an all-star. Why not keep him around? Because although I, I would I would just be careful in terms of shooting and, and court spacing with Wall and Oladipo, but I sort of like this, the Rockets. I think they won the steal as well. Kenny? Right. With, yeah. With um, with Phil Jackson out, the uh, the Rockets this season, this season definitely seemed a bit off at first. And I think that might have been because... You know, James Harden was still living in a world of, with himself, being able to play ISO ball and actually win games. But that was not the case earlier on in the season with the Rockets. And from what I saw last night against their game against San Antonio, their first game without James Harden, the Rockets were moving the ball well and they ended up winning the game. With this depth now, they don't, and losing James Harden, they don't need to rely too much on ISO scoring. They can move the ball well. And this new type of playing style might work out with, for them in the future. So they they definitely got. A good amount back in terms of their quality. Of course, you lost a great MVP score, but um, yeah, I like this depth. This new depth for them now. Yeah, for sure. And so let's go to the other two parts of the trade. Not as major as these, not breaking news level, but the Cleveland Cavaliers and Indiana Pacers got a good amount back. Cleveland Cavaliers they got Jared Allen and Tarian Prince, and the Pacers got Karis LeVert, and. I really like those two trades, except especially Karis LeVert, because uh, he used to be the pretty much star of the Nets before they started bringing the superstars. 
back into there. He was that ultimate scorer. And then this year when Kevin Durant came back, he kind of became the first guy off the bench. And now since Oladipo went to Houston, he's going to be that guy most likely in Indiana again. How do you think he's going? I think it was a good move for him, especially since uh, the amount of star power that Brooklyn just got. Yeah, I, I like the move for Indiana. Considering all the rumors about Oladipo leaving and talking to other teams about getting traded or playing for them, I think in terms of a player they can rely on and watch grow, and probably this might be a hot take, but might have a higher ceiling than Oladipo, I think it was a great move. And, I mean, we'll see what happens with Indiana. They're still a great team in the East, but obviously not going to compete with the Nets at this point. For sure. Yeah, the Pacers have a great thing going for them, and I, I really hope Karis Levert meshes well with the roster they currently have. Not too much uh, wing scoring for them prior to Karis's arrival. You know, they they had Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis leading them through that, and Brogdon's a great backcourt piece at the moment. But yeah, hopefully Levert uh, transitions well. He was he's been used to being on Brooklyn, first guy off the bench, like you said, Matt, and being able to take over the scoring responsibilities with KD and other superstars off the floor. Uh, watching the few games this season, just coming off the bench. And even the announcers realize it too. Just give Karis LeVert the reins to score at will. And I am kind of on board with that hot take that he's got a higher ceiling than Oladipo, but we'll see. Hopefully the, uh, the Pacers uh, do well with him now. I like it. Matt, it'll be somewhere to watch. Matt, you also said you had Karis LeVert as your sixth man of the year pick, but he could easily get most improved if, he does have the ability to score the rock like he does in, in this new role. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, my my uh, six-man pick is now off the table since he's probably going to be starting from now on. So I'm going to have to find someone else there. But I like that idea of the most improved player because he's definitely, he's going to be playing a completely different game than he started off the season as. He's not going to be the first off the bench. He's going to be probably the number one option now offensively at least, possibly. We're going to see how he fits into the system there in Indiana. But no, it's definitely a good case for him to show what he can do and possibly become one of the best players in the NBA. But finally, before we move on from the NBA, let's move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They got Jared Allen and Taran Prince. I like the move, especially for Jared Allen. They've already got a great backcourt there with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. They've had a good start to the season. And now you add a guy like Allen down low. He's got great, he's great defensively down there. He has, he's been great offensively as well so far this season. I like being able to mix it up a little bit now that they're not, because right now they're a primarily guard team right now. They work out of the backcourt. But now adding Allen just brings a whole different dimension to the offense. Yeah, I, I like the move as well for the Cavs because I can see Drummond leaving Cavs this offseason. And to have that uh, insurance policy with Allen is uh, really reassuring for them. And I think the Cavaliers are on the slow rebuild track. And hopefully they stick with that because as a Knicks fan that's been tortured for years and watching players come in and, and go and you have to, I mean, as Joel Embiid says, you have to trust the process. And I think the Cavs are on a good track and they have a lot of good young players. And I like what I'm seeing in Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland didn't, you know, lose too much from this and they've only really gained maybe a minor compared to the other teams. But um, 
definitely a good uh, insurance policy, like Jack mentioned. I I'm, am worried about his offensive development just a bit. You know, we only know Jared Allen as the shot blocker with the fro. But um, it would be great to see him on the floor, and uh, hopefully he pans out the way uh, Cleveland wants him to. Yeah, for sure. Big week in the NBA, so we're going to have to see what the rest of the season brings. All right, moving on from the court, let's go back over to football. We've got the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We've got Packers, Rams, Ravens, Bills, Browns, Chiefs, and Bucks, Saints. Now we're just going to go through each game, look at some of the matchups, some impact players. We're going to say who we think is going to win the day. So, Jack, let's start with Saturday games. Got Rams-Packers. What do you think about this game going into it? I have the Packers taking this one, Matt, because you know I'm saying my X factor in this game is actually the weather. And hear me out. Hear me out. Because okay. LA, LA Rams and Jared Goff, they don't really – Bend well in the cold. And if we know anything about Aaron Rodgers, he's at the top of his game right now. He's as experienced as it gets in these types of situations. And based on how he's been playing, also my other impact player, I don't see the Packers losing to the Rams this week. Okay, interesting. And, you know, you said about the weather. There's a very good chance it's going to snow on Saturday for this game. Same in Buffalo, actually. And in Buffalo. So we could have two snow games this week, which is going to be amazing. But no, like snow, you know? No, of course. But as you said, the Packers, they've got the advantage, obviously, with the weather. I just think the Packers have the advantage in, in general, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Jared Goff, he's been, you know, struggling with that thumb injury that he had. He's going to be starting at quarterback. Really, if I'm going to say anything, it's going to be. Aaron Donald, it's going to rely on the stars of the Rams if they want a chance in this game. Aaron Donald is going to have to get back to Rodgers and put a lot of pressure on him. Ramsey's going to have to lock down Devontae Adams. And Cam Akers is going to have to run over the Packers defense. Because as we know, the Packers have a very weak running defense, and they're going to have to rely on that. But as you said, I agree. I think the impact is going to be the weather because there is no way that the L.A. Rams can replicate that in L.A., especially if it's going to snow. Yeah, for sure. And as you said, it, it is going to rely on the stars for the Rams, on, especially on the defensive end, because the way Rodgers and this offense is playing for the Packers is just it's unbelievable. He's the MVP this year, in my opinion. And we'll see what happens. Um, but regardless, I'm taking the Packers. I'm with yeah, you same with me. And I'm just excited for the Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams battle all game. That is going to be really exciting. Arguably best cornerback in the game versus arguably the best wide receiver in the game. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if you saw Jalen Ramsey after they beat the Seahawks last week um, said that the Seahawks should put away their T-shirts and the cigars and go to Cabo. So they, he was he had a chip on his shoulder. He wanted to win that game last week for them. So, you know, he did it. And who cares if you're the divisional champs? He got it done in the playoffs. He's going to come in strong this week, and we're going to see if he can shut down Devontae, who's having an absurd season so far. But let's move on to Saturday's AFC matchup. We've got the Buffalo Bills versus the Baltimore Ravens. And for me, I'm going with pretty much the same impact players I had last week when the Ravens played against the Titans, and that's going to be Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson is going to have to play out of his mind to win this game. Josh Allen in that Bills offense is 
been going off the past couple weeks. They've been one of the best offenses in the NFL. We know the Bills have a good defense. And as you said, it could possibly be another snow game. So Lamar Jackson is going to have to, have to be on the top of his game if he wants a chance to go into Buffalo and win this playoff game. Because he only got his first playoff win last week. So he doesn't have a lot of experience in that. He doesn't have experience winning either in the playoffs. It's going to be tough for Baltimore to go in there and get a W. Yeah, that being said, with with the expected snowfall, I mean, it's really going to affect how each team uh, approaches the game in terms of through the air and on the ground. And, you know, that sort of plays to Lamar's strengths as a, as a rusher. But same with Allen. And I think it's really going to come down to the quarterback matchup in this game. And I, I think I am going to say the Ravens win this game if only if Lamar plays well. And I'm saying that because – Lamar has a lot to prove, and although he did win last week, I think he does have a chip on his shoulder. The whole team does because they've been doubted this whole season, and I, I have them coming away with this victory. Yeah, it's, that's an interesting take, and I think it's definitely viable. They've got a great team. I've got Buffalo winning the game just for a couple reasons. Josh Allen's an MVP candidate this year. Stephon Diggs has been playing out of his mind. They're finally getting the rushing game going because they didn't have that the first couple weeks. And then obviously they've got home field advantage and the, the advantage in the snow. But no, it, as I said earlier, and as you just said, if Lamar Jackson plays well, they can beat any team in the NFL. But we're going to move on to Sunday now. Probably the most you know, notable game of this divisional round. We got Baker Mayfield and the Browns against... Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And we've seen this before, not in the Chiefs and the Browns, but back in college in 2016, when Baker and Patrick Mahomes went at it, Oklahoma versus Texas Tech, and they put up over 1,200 passing yards combined. Oklahoma won 66-59 in the end. One of the best games of all time. Cliff Kingsbury was coaching Texas Tech at that time. So there's a lot going on. I think it's going to be a pretty good game in the end. Yeah, and call me crazy, but I've been taking the Browns week after week, and I think they have a chance. I really do. Odell Beckham Jr. tweets tweeted, don't be surprised when they win. They're playing better without Odell Beckham Jr. in that team. And yeah, it's, uh, that's interesting. To, but, you know, when he's out there on the field, no doubt they're a better team. Yeah, it's interesting. But, like, you know, going back to the thing, we talked about this last week. Baker Mayfield under pressure is not good. If that offensive line can keep him secured like they did last week against the Steelers and he can have a good game, the Chiefs got to watch out because if you get it on top of the world, Baker Mayfield and that running game, you you can't stop them. The Chiefs, the, the Chiefs are going to have to be the Chiefs if they want to win this game. It's not an easy, it's not going to be an easy win. Yeah, it definitely also won't be a walk in the park for the Browns like last week. But the Chiefs, honestly, debatably one of the best teams in football or the best team, and particularly offensively. And I think that will pose a lot of challenges to Browns' defense. But, again, like I said last week, if the Browns have one of the best rushing attacks in the league, and even if Baker's not performing at a super high level, I think they can be – they could rely on Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Yeah, and that's the thing. As you said, the Chiefs are arguably the best team in football, and I don't even think you have to say arguably anymore. They, they really are the best team. 
Because if you look at the Steelers, yeah, they started off 11-0, but they had a weak schedule. So there, there's really no comparison between the two of those. And the next closest would probably be the Green Bay Packers. But the, the Chiefs are definitely the best team in football. But, hey, watch out for the dog pound. They're going to come. They're going to give be aggressive. They're going to work the ball. And if Baker Mayfield can have a big game, I think the Browns are going to make it to the AFC Championship game. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Yeah, I'm excited, but I'm actually even more excited for the Bucks saints game this week. We get a Breeze versus Brady matchup. We've all been waiting for this in the playoffs, Matt. What do you think is going to happen? I think it's going to be interesting. Now, it's it's going to be different than most years because, yes, Breeze is still one of the best quarterbacks in football. He's not the same guy that we saw the past couple years and earlier in his career. We already knew that he doesn't have the same arm strength, but this year it's really been amplified. We haven't really seen Drew Brees be Drew Brees. But on the other thing, they've got Alvin Kamara, best running back in football right now. He can do everything. He can catch. He can run. He can do whatever. And I think if Drew Brees can be Drew Brees and be a very strategic quarterback, don't rely on the deep ball, just get it to his uh, weapons, I think it can be a very good game. But as we saw, Tom Brady, he's an MVP candidate this year. I think he got on a little too late to actually win the award, but he threw for 40 touchdowns this year, single-digit interceptions. And with the weapons that he has on offense, it's going to be tough to stop them. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you can also see – agree. I'm agreeing with you here with Breeze. You can see that he's sort of hitting a cliff in his career, although I'm never really going to count him out um, in terms of – You never. You know, He's a star player. He's been in games like this before. And I'm sure he wants to beat Brady. You know, there's who doesn't want to beat the GOAT? And, you know, I think the Saints team's going to be really fired up. But I have the Bucs taking this game. Uh, the They're just too offensively overpowered. And I just see Tom Brady dominating this game. Yeah, no, I definitely have the Bucs uh, winning this game as of right now. But you just can't count out Drew Brees and the Saints. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He, we've seen the past couple of years that they're, you know, Minneapolis miracle when that happened. And the arguably bad no call on that pass interference against the Rams. And we've seen a lot of rumors about Brees possibly retiring after this year. So he's going to have that chip on his shoulder because this could possibly be the last chance that he has to get that second ring. So don't count them out, but I definitely, as of right now, have the Bucs as the favorite going in. All right, let's keep it moving with the NFL here. And we're going to move into ranking the QBs left in the playoffs. And for this segment, we brought back Kenny. And let's uh, get this going. Kenny. So going um, quarterbacks ranked 8, 7, and 6 for me. At number 8, I have Jared Goff. Number 7, I have Baker Mayfield. And number 6... I did not want to put him here, but with the other great QBs left in the playoffs, I had to. I have Lamar Jackson at six. Interesting. Now, for us, we've got Jared Goff at eight, and I am a huge fan of this guy, but I couldn't put him any higher. I've got Drew Brees at number seven, and I've got Baker at number six. And we're going to just talk about this real quick. I love Drew Brees. And he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But right now, he's just not the same player. And uh, Goff was obviously number eight. He's not 
at the level of these other guys, and especially with his broken thumb. He he already has the disadvantage because of that. So he was obviously number eight for me. But it was between Break Baker and Drew Brees. And I just think right now Baker is playing better football. And I just think if you put them in the right situations, Baker is going to help lead his team on the passing game better. Drew Brees is still a great game manager, but right now Baker is the better player at this point. Yeah, of course. And I mean, it is really hard for us to rank Baker over Brees here, but yeah, I agree with you, Matt. Brees in terms of in this stage of his career at this point and what Baker has done with the Browns so far, it's pretty impressive and you have to tip your cap to him. For sure. Kenny, why, why do you have Lamar Jackson ranked at number six? All right, real quick. I just want to go with the breeze. I will get to the Lamar uh, point, mm-hmm. but with breeze, I guess I'm, I'm less so focused on his standing as a quarterback in the league right now. And more so focused as a quarterback in the NFL playoffs. I, you, I think you mentioned this before, if I uh, was listening correctly, um, but breeze, you can't really count him out in the playoffs. And I, based on how he's played against um the Buccaneers during the regular season, I think he might advance possibly. The Buccaneers are offensively loaded. I'm sure the Bucs are favored, but I, I really can't count out Breeze as a as a playoff vet, and I really want to see uh, what he can do. But, yeah, he was definitely limited this season as a quarterback, and that just comes with him being 40-41. So I don't blame you guys for having him that low. Lamar Jackson, I, I think I'm more so just – kind of disappointed coming off an MVP season, seeing the numbers he's put up. He's still great at throwing the ball as well as rushing it. One of the best mobile QBs we've seen in, seen in a while. Um, but I, I was just disappointed this season. And um, the five other quarterbacks I have right now in the playoffs, I feel like they'll definitely perform unlike Lamar. And yeah, and I agree with that. I am not the biggest Lamar fan in the league. We have him at number five on our list. I just put him there mostly because of what the other level that he brings to the table. Unlike the other quarterbacks on this list, this guy has another element. He's got his feet. And that's one of the things that's so special about him. Um, And I just don't like him very much as a quarterback. And we've seen that the Ravens had, have had trouble in the passing game. And that might be due to lack of weapons, uh, receiving wise, but I just don't like him as much as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And that's why he's not higher on this list. Because if I think if he was at the same throwing passing game level as a Baker Mayfield, he might be a top three quarterback right now in the playoffs. Now this year, it's a little different when you've got Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes playing the way they are. But with, with that extra element that he has, it, it was very difficult to rank him out of the top five. Yeah, adding on to that, Lamar is definitely one of the top five quarterbacks left in, in the playoffs. And, you know, putting experience uh, as a factor in this list, you know, not the experience in the playoffs and hasn't necessarily proven anything so far. So my number five pick, I was very much um, conflicted with this. I, I can't. I can't really right now for sure tell you who my number five is, but in this debate for me, hot take, one of the people debated for this number five spot is Josh Allen, and the other is Drew Brees. 
again, just quickly summarizing my point before, I, I can't count on Breeze. I'm so much about playoff experience and like upholding the standard that you've already created your whole career. And Breeze has done that while Josh Allen hasn't. He's definitely an, an MVP candidate this season. I was so happy to see the way he performed. Um, but just with the other quarterbacks left, I I just had to mix him up in there with Drew Brees. So both they they switch out uh, as uh, four and five for me, depending on the day. So yeah, yeah. That's you guys? that's definitely an interesting take because we have Josh Allen a little bit higher on our list, and that is basically just because of what we've seen from him this season. And we also saw Josh Allen last week in the wild card game. And now, you know, he's going up against a bigger test this week in the Ravens and we're going to see what he can do. But right now we'll just get back to that in a second. We've got Tom Brady at our number four. Um, He's been great this year, a lot better than I expected he was going to be. And it was really tough to rank him outside of the top three in the playoffs just because of the experience that he has, the way he played this year, the weapons that he has. But right now, Josh Allen is our number three. And I think, as you said, with Breeze and Allen, them switching between four and five, I think we can pretty much do the same thing with Brady and Allen uh, at three and four. And that's mostly just because of Brady's experience. Because I think skill level so far this year, they've been very similar. Josh Allen, like Lamar Jackson, not at the same rate, but he kind of has that extra level. We've seen that if he gets in trouble, he can run the ball just as, not as well, but just as effectively as Lamar Jackson can, um, just not at the same rate. Um, But yeah, no, it's definitely tough to rate Brady outside the top three. But the way Allen's been playing this year, he's our number three. Yeah, and, you know, uh, the quarterbacks remaining are all MVP candidates, and it, it was really tough, and, and a lot of them are interchangeable. But with what Matt said, putting Brady at four, uh, Bob Allen, I, I don't know. I sort of liked what I've seen from Allen more in the playoffs so far. He has more fire and desire, and we'll see what happens. Like We'll see what happens this week and see if we update our list. So I've Escaping the foreign, the conflicting foreign five spot, I have Patrick Mahomes at my number three. I mean, this guy is just—I am so surprised at how he's playing at the age he's at, and with, he's definitely earned this contract um, that he currently has because this is a phenomenal quarterback we're talking about here. Um, didn't start his first year in the league, but um, got his chance and definitely made the most of it. And I definitely see him perform well in the playoffs. He's, of course, Patrick Mahomes didn't have the stellar season uh, like he did with his 48 to 50 touchdown year, but he's still Patrick Mahomes. Got a great offensive arsenal that, um, frankly, he makes the most of. And I, I see him as my number three quarterback. How about you guys? That's a good transition. As we said, we have Allen at three. We've got Mahomes at number two. And as we've mentioned, Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's arguably getting up there to the number one guy. But my opinion, he's still he's rivaling with our number one, who we'll mention in a little bit. But no, Mahomes, you can never count out Mahomes, no matter what. He's got so much going for him. Andy Reid's a great head coach that's mentoring him. He's got great weapons. He himself is one of the best weapons in the NFL, no question about it. And we've seen at his young age, he still has playoff experience. He won the Super Bowl last year. 
at such a young age, he won Super Bowl MVP. There's no question that he is one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in the NFL, no matter in the regular season or the playoffs. Yeah, there's not not much more to say about Mahomes besides the fact that he's been phenomenal so far in his in his career so far, and you know, at, along with what Matt said, he has all the weapons he needs in Kansas City. He has a coaching staff that believes in him with Andy Reid, and you know, offensively he's got Tariq Hill and just a great offense around him, Travis Kelsey, and he's in a position to succeed every time he goes out there along with his own skill. So that propels him to our number two spot. Uh, my number two, you guys have already mentioned, it's Tom Brady um, running theme here. I'm, I'm all about experience and Brady, it's not even just experience that's upholding him up here for me at number two. He actually had a great season the first time away from New England, um, 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. I mean, with that age and a new like environment around him, sure, Gronk is back with him, but just new pieces, new head coach. Yeah, I was just very, very surprised um, that this old man go can play at this level still. And I, this guy, he has another chance to prove how great he is in this uh, playoff matchup he has. And I have him at number two. Yeah, there's no question. You can never count out Tom Brady, especially after the season he just had, what we've all witnessed. There, there's no question. But as we now see, we both have the same number one. And that is the man, Aaron Rodgers. Now, he he's no question. Jack and I were talking about this. I think he's both our MVP favorites this year, and I think he's a lot of people's MVP favorite. He's had one heck of a season. He's been counted out a lot over the past couple years and really his entire career. And right now he's proving it. At 36 years old, he can still do it. He can still sling it. He's the quarterback to beat, and right now, He's the only person keeping Mahomes at the second best quarterback in the NFL overall. Yeah. And, and just to mention, like our top two quarterbacks, as we mentioned earlier, are the two best teams in the NFL right now. And I think that really speaks to how valuable they are on the field and speaks to how high they are on the list. Uh, Rogers is a guy that, you know, day in, day out, puts in the work. And he gets it done out on the field with whatever he has around him. And that's what makes him so good. And MVP season, he's going into these playoffs energized and ready to go. He's proved a lot of people wrong this year. Yeah, he's undoubtedly the number one quarterback left in the playoffs. I'm glad we can agree on that. And just real quick, Matt, I just want to point out my man Aaron Rodgers turned 37 uh, last month in December. So just add add another year to his age. He's playing phenomenal um definitely had some down uh seasons in green bay um the past few years but this season just completely uh blows those uh numbers out of the water for me and i'm very very uh happy to see aaron Rodgers in this position right now and yep he is indeed my number one yeah there's no question and jack and i were talking about mvp candidates last week or the week before don't really remember which episode it was we were talking about it and we were saying that aaron Rodgers, if his team does well he gets praised. If his team doesn't do well, he gets criticized. And right now, his team's doing well. So all ups to Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully they can get far in the playoffs, maybe even win a chip. We'll see what happens. But Kenny, thanks for coming on, ranking the quarterbacks with us. You were on with us. You were on with us a lot today. 
Um, of course. Yeah, I love I love this opportunity to talk sports with you guys. Always a great time. Thank you. All right. That was another great episode of From the Bench. Follow us on socials, underscore from the bench, underscore on Instagram, and at from the bench two on Twitter. Well, that's the show. And we will see you all next week and we'll update with you any sports news throughout the week. See you later.